On this week's episode, we give both yays and nays on some new number ones, talk about the potential awesomeness of a Danger Girl film, and round out the episode with a new key issue segment about toxic fandom. It's all happening now on Cover B. Welcome back to Cover B. Happy Spring Equinox Week. Sure. Weequinox. 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 It sounds like the first mate on a whale boat. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say it sounds like an odd Star Wars holiday. Let's see if I can get fluff off the mic without making a bunch of I apologize in advance because I'm sure this is super annoying. <laughs> it's probably got fluff on our mic. I need to get it off. Well, Happy Disney takes over the entertainment world week, everybody. Woohoo! Happy we're finally going to get rid of all of the X-Men movies that shouldn't be there anyway. <laughs> I just want a Quicksilver and Quicksilver buddy cop movie. That's what I want. So what comics did you read that stood out to you? Uh, it was a hefty week, so out was, of all the comics you read, which ones floated your goaded? It was a hefty week, but I had a lot of um, kind of middle-of-the-road comics. Okay. Kind of like... I mean, those are fine. Yeah. You can talk about those. Oh, silence your phone. Amateur. <laughs> <laughs> Talking to myself. <laughs> Talking about you, you bald sack of shit. <laughs> So, <laughs> I had a couple number ones. Cool. Um, Spider-Man Life Story number one came nice. out, which is super cool. Um, it's Chip Starsky, whom I love. And it's an interesting take on Spider-Man because it's placing him in a historical context. Mm. So, this first issue takes place in the 60s. Yeah. And it's interesting because... I've never seen, despite the excessive use of Spider-Man, I've never seen the placement of him against, like, such a historical background, like, putting him into the context of the Vietnam War and the, you know, public discourse that occurred from that. Mm -hmm. So it's really cool. It's interesting. I'm excited to see how he does throughout the decades. So that'll be interesting. Cool, yeah. Um, The other one that kind of stood out to me, surprisingly, is a one-shot um firefly bad company it takes place in the firefly universe and it's essentially kind of the backstory and development of saffron which for all of you firefly folks who can remember is uh christina hendrix's character and she marries mal and is a bad mother shut your mouth shut your mouth um, I'm just talking about saffron. But we can do it. And and <laughs> I really. <laughs> I went on that journey by myself. Thank you. You did, it and was... I was trying to go with you, but I was also trying to make sure I didn't lose my thought. <laughs> well, tough. Uh, okay, I didn't. I didn't totally lose my thought. So, um, but the reason why I, you know, I kind of went into this expecting it to just be like an excuse to put. Christina Hendrix's um, bountiful cleavage on the front cover of a book. Which, by all means. Right, yeah. you know, do what you're going to do. She is a very well-endowed and attractive woman, so props to her. Um, but actually, what it turned out being was the absolute best 
example of Firefly lore I've ever had. Nice, um, cool. I think it built more in the Firefly verse than the show or really anything else yeah. I've ever read. I've always said that that universe is so rich with possibility, you know? And it, it was like, I, I had this conversation a lot with people, was it last year or two years ago when everyone was abuzz with like Firefly reboot? Like for whatever reason, the internet was like, it's coming guys. It's, we're going to do it. The Firefly reboot's going to happen. I don't know if like an actor said something offhandedly or what. I think um, it was when Alan Tudyk and Nathan Fillion were, were doing their thing, just like screwing Con with Man people or whatever. Yeah, yeah, when they were screwing with um, people on the internet. Yeah, but everyone was like, "Oh God, do you think a Firefly reboot's gonna happen?" And no, you know what I mean. Like, I I feel like those character stories they're at a good enough place. They've kind of been told out. The actors are getting older. Some of them don't want to do it. You know what I mean? It's fine if those characters pop up, but if we do another Firefly show. It should really be a new show in this universe. And you could do a lot in this universe. Like, you they set really up this can. amazing universe with a lot of different stuff you can play off of. There's these weird science areas. There's the, like, alliance or whatever. There's the all the cowboy stuff and all the, like, fringe stuff. And um, I don't know. It's such a rich world to build on. I don't know why they haven't really yet. Because... Pretty much all the Firefly comics, this is the first one, really, that I know of. Um, unless there's something I'm forgetting, but I'm pretty sure this is the first one that really focuses on somebody that's not, like, the immediate crew. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, and what's cool about this, too, is that it's really the first time I've experienced a Firefly uh, story that isn't mostly about the outer fringes. Yeah. Um, This one takes place mostly within, like the core and the alliance okay. stronghold and mm -hmm. it's interesting because you actually learn about you know more in depth about the companions and you learn about the cool. pox and you learn about just all this stuff it was so deep and rich and i was so surprised and i'm i kind of wish they'd give her her own like thing because yeah. it was really good like i don't that's cool was it just like a one shot yeah it was okay. it was it's a thicker book and so it's a little more expensive but it's most certainly worth the read. If you're into the Fireflyverse, like, this, I, I was thoroughly surprised at how much I enjoyed it and how mm. much it left me wanting more. Fair enough. So. Thick, deep, rich, and wanting more. You're either describing, like, a chocolate bar or, or like, a high-paid escort. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the saffron... I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it here. I'm gonna walk away. Thick, deep, rich, and wanting more. <laughs> <laughs> this is me. This is me bowing out, turning yeah. around, walking away. Slowly. That's what I used to put on Valentine's cards. So <laughs> I'd be like, there you go, there you go. <laughs> Call me. <laughs> <laughs> You're very available sometimes, huh, babe? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it would just be like, sup, player. <laughs> Thick, deep, rich, and wanting more. <laughs> Circle one, yes or hell yes. <laughs> First grade was a weird time in my life, I gotta say. Y you know, <laughs> I'm not, yeah. What else? Anything else? That's, Stand out that's my That's my big haul for this week. 
Coolio. Those were my standouts. What about you? I had a few on the number one side. I do have an avoid. I don't have these all the time. Um, but when they stand out to me, I do like to point them out. I was really bummed about this. I don't know if I just didn't pay attention to the solicitation for this. And so I built it up in my mind a way that it shouldn't have been. Right. Um, but so Spider-Man City at War number one came out. Now okay. this is Marvel. I don't know how deep they're going to take this, but they're pegging it as their like flagship of this thing called the Gamerverse, which is a new universe. I guess they're going to build based off of video games, hopefully all spinning out of the universe that they built with the Spider-Man PS4 game. Oh, great. Um, yeah. Because that game was awesome, and they should really do a ton more in that universe. Yeah, that game was great. Um, now, because on that note, you know, that game was awesome. I loved, you know, it wasn't really like a different type of Peter Parker, but it was just such a real human, like, relatable version of Peter Parker. He was very wholesome. Yeah, and, you know, there was different things done with some of the characters, and, you know, they hinted at other characters and other histories and there was this developing thing with him and miles and um great game if you haven't played it you need to go out if you don't own a ps4 steal one um <laughs> just be ready because that game is hard it's the combat is challenging challenging and the dlcs didn't really do much more than be like let's make the combat harder um which is already hard thanks game uh <laughs> <laughs> But it's still super fun, super lovable, great Spider-Man story. Like, I literally had tears in my eyes at points because it was just so nostalgic and wholesome and good. Um, that said, I really wanted this comic to be more in that world. Like, right. new stories in that world where they develop new characters and they talk about, like, maybe take, like, other story arcs that have happened in Spider-Man and do those, but in this new world. Right. And obviously, we probably wouldn't see things like the Green Goblin or Venom or any of the big-name boys um, because they probably want to save those for future games. Right. But, you know, maybe we could see, like, Beetle or Mole Man or, you know, freaking Tarantula or somebody. Yeah. Um, no, it is oh. the comic book adaptation of the game. Oh. So it's exactly the game story. In comic book form. Seriously? Why? And so, personally, if you were, as I am, if you were excited to see it come, I'd avoid it. If you've played the game, you don't really need... It's just a... And this is where I... Why I'm calling it a pass, because I'm trying to protect the consumer from shitty Marvel cash-ins. And that's all this is. And I love Marvel, and they can do some good stuff, and I love that game, and it was really good, but I cannot support a shitty Marvel cash-in. Like that's just low. That's really disappointing. Yeah. I mean, if so. you're gonna if you're gonna retell the story that you've already told in a game, you need to pick a different perspective. No. Nope. Do it like have Mary Jane be the primary character in the comic and then tell the same stories, yeah. but then you have her vision on it. Yeah. Do but, something like that. No, it pretty much the first issue plays out like the first few minutes of the game. Now yeah. I don't know how long they plan to take this comic, so maybe eventually it'll move past the game, a la like the nineteen seventies Star Wars movie like comics where they eventually moved past the movie and they were like, let's just make some shit up. And then we got a lot of weird stuff. Um, <laughs> a lot of weird in those, a lot of, a lot of strange things. The characters do in like in the seventies, Marvel, Marvel, star Wars comics, Luke Skywalker was this like badass like lightsaber wielding like maniac and stuff like that. Anyway, Where'd that go? Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> 
it's kind of a funny saga because they like they eventually caught up with the movies and they were like oh shit (laughs) (laughs) i think it was like they had to start doing one of the movies but they didn't have the script for the movie so they just kind of like winged it (laughs) and it was anyway if you haven't read the 1970s uh star wars stuff it's worth a looky-loo if you're a star wars man but that's not what i'm talking about avoid this one it's just a cash in um spider-man city at war not really worth picking up boo marvel uncool um other number ones came out um some indie ones um so i'm gonna be talking about a lot of indie dark red number one from aftershock uh came out it is it's shaping up to be a really fun book Okay. Not a ton happens in the number one. It's written by Tim Seeley, who I love. Um, if you haven't read Hack and Slash, or Hack Slash, I guess is what it's called, go read it right now. Um, we'll wait. <laughs> Good, right? Um, <laughs> Man, you're a really fast reader. You're really fast. I imagine, I imagine they paused it, T. So, Chris, why did you pause for effect? For effect. Exactly. <laughs> okay. I'm not crazy. Um, anywho, <laughs> Dark Red number one. It's by Tim Seeley. It's from Aftershock Comics. It's about, uh, like, Central America and vampires. Uh, it seems like it's going to have some sort of political satire going on, but it hasn't really gotten to the satire bits yet, I think. Hmm. Um, they kind of touched on some politics, but they didn't really get there. But overall, it just sounds kind of fun. It's, um, I mean, it's not the first time this kind of concept has happened. We had Redneck from Donny Cates over at Image, um, which was like Redneck Zombies. Right. Um, but this one isn't so much Rednecks. It's more like, hey, I'm like a really old zombie, and I'm currently living a humble life in Central America. Or zombie vampire. I'm a really old vampire, and I'm currently living a humble life as like a guy who mops up a convenience store in central america so like the main character is somewhat relatable kind of endearing um like working class millennial ish but he's like hundreds of years old and is nice doesn't want to go like feed on a bunch of people but now there's like some new vampires moving into town and there's some sort of like large story that's about to happen but it seems really fun so if you can pick up dark red number one i think it might have gone up in price i'm sorry um check it out it is really cool and the art's pretty solid this one blew my mind to be honest invisible kingdom number one from dark horse it's under their burger books uh imprint that they're doing which i don't know really what defines burger books to be honest i haven't really looked into it i don't know if it's just like these are more literary um they have like LaGuardia is under that uh under that flagship and um she could fly is also one that they did on that but it's called invisible kingdom it was written by g willow wilson with art by christian ward it's beautiful like the art is gorgeous it's this like it's another one of those books and i know i go like ape shit over this all the time but when it's like a sci-fi book that doesn't hold your hand into like this is what the world is yeah Anyway, it seems to be taking shots at Amazon, oddly enough. <laughs> okay. That's it seems like it might be taking shots at organized religion, might be taking shots at Amazon, might be taking shots at both. Maybe just consumerism on a whole. Okay, that makes sense. Um, 
but it's so it's there's definitely like some sort of political underlying that they haven't fully developed but you get when you read it you're like okay i get where this is gonna go but it's gorgeous the characters seem like they're gonna be fun um and it's just beautiful like if you're an art buff if you like art like what's in low from image okay um or uh even like uh what is the it escapes me there's an alan moore one that it reminds me of even if you like kind of the wistful like stuff by mac like covers by mac and stuff okay um if you're reading die and you like hans's art that kind of like really soft painted stuff ethereal feel but this has like a ton of color um it's just if you like color if you like color in general pick up this book it's so good um but that was a really cool read so it is definitely worth picking up um and finally lazarus is back like the biblical figure of its namesake lazarus has returned um it's going quarterly now so that's kind of frustrating but it's a big book big old big book and it comes back in like full bore it gives you like a nice recap and then it just dives right back in to like the subterfuge and the war and the combat and the goriness like somebody takes somebody's head off and it's it's great and it's i like where it's going i like that it's just continuing if you haven't read lazarus the old lazarus stuff definitely pick up the trade paperbacks if you want to get caught up if you want to just dive in like i said they do a decent recap there might be some stuff where you're like what the hell is happening here (laughs) so it honestly it might be worth getting caught up but if you want to see if it's worth getting caught up pick up this first issue it's a big old thick spined book it's like 60 some odd pages wow um that's awesome and it's just good and you know i love rucka for he ends every like his book with like short fiction and like here's what i'm reading right now so like he really like what i love about rucka is he really takes comics to that kind of like literary point yep like he does a good job telling a story and making comics readable as opposed to just something you flip through yep you know brubaker's the same way where it's like yeah and karen gillen is the same way like they make they are the like pinnacle and i mean alan moore grant morrison obviously they're like the names that like have really like done a lot of work for this um making comics literary you know what i mean like really bits of literature they're more than just like you know superheroes punching each other in their man panties they're (laughs) like these bits of literature but Lazarus Risen, really good. I like to see where they're going. I like Forever's haircut. Um, <laughs> it's good stuff. It And I, I respect comics being willing to be like, hey, we're going to go to kind of a weird release schedule because then we can release consistently uh, without a lot of delays, even though it might not be every month. You know yeah. what I mean? It's It's good to recognize that the artists have other things going on and lives. And they're not machines. And this way they can pump out stuff that's quality instead of just like, ah, here's your book. Yeah. You know? Make it on their own time, which is nice. So, yeah. And now, your Cover Bee News with your host, Chris and T. Look at that. It's time for news. It's a hefty news week. It is. It's hefty as shit. As we mentioned earlier, 
Fox and Disney merger is official. Yep, that is official. The Disney now rules the world. And they've essentially confirmed that everything that's not Deadpool is getting the axe. Oh, damn. Oh, yeah. So, it's very highly likely that within the next phase of the Marvel uh, MCU massive master plan is going to feature some kind of X people which cool i'm in yeah let's do it i'm down to clown give me some x23 yeah like right now like right now yeah they should really i think that would behoove them to really like obviously they're gonna want to do the classics to some degree to keep the fans happy like the the like 90s fanboys but I think it would really behoove them to focus on some of the newer cats. You know what I mean? I like, absolutely agree. You know, Domino's big right now, so keep Deadpool and Domino rolling. You know, bring in X-23. She's a big, popular character, you know. Uh, and even... she helps it make it a little easier in terms yeah. of the migrating from our love of Hugh as, yeah. as Wolverine. Just... How do you make Wolverine okay not being Hugh Jackman? You make it a chick. Yeah. <laughs> Even like, you know, focus, you could have like the older characters, but focus on where they are now as opposed to like where they were. Right. So you could have like Kitty Pride, but make her the like leadership, really badass Kitty Pride, and not like, oh, help me. I'm Kitty Pride. I'm getting kidnapped in every chance I get kind of thing. You yeah. Know what I mean, like definitely. get past that. Um, or, you know, do like, cyclops make him a little unhinged stuff like that like you could focus on that kind of stuff make it a little bit like like already get yourself close to a phoenix that is or like a jean gray that is phoenix or has already recovered from the phoenix Phoenix, as opposed to like this is fresh face jean gray we're gonna work her all the way up to that point look at baby jean here she goes yeah yeah. roller coaster i i think if they approach it like they approach spider-man it will work really well. You know what I mean? If they cut out a lot of the preamble shit and like all the like, this person likes this person and oh, we found us a Wolverine. Let's dust him off, take him home, give him a bottle of milk, that kind of stuff, Um, which I imagine is how Wolverine's origin was. I don't know. Um, (laughs) They put like a nipple on a beer bottle and they're like, well, I'm going to nurse you back to health. Put Put him in a little cardboard box at the foot of their bed and they're like, night baby Wolverine. And they like wake up and scramble over and they're like, oh, good morning, little Wolverine. Um, (laughs) Is that not how, is that not the movie everyone else watched? It's the movie I watched. Um, But yeah, I think it would work really well if they approached it like they approached Spider-Man where they were just like, you know who these people are. Here they go, you know? And then do do origins of the people that are less familiar. So like X-23 or if you want to get my boy Glob in there, just saying. Um, <laughs> hint, hint. Just freaking hit. Ring, ring. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's going to happen one day. Uh-huh. Anyway, that's cool. Um, speaking of other Disney drama, James Gunn is back. Word. Yeah. The man is back in town. Um, it was announced that despite all of the controversy, Guardians 3 will be directed by James Gunn. Mm-hmm. Um, the Disney heads came out and said that his apology was significant enough and that they had been in talks with him for 
a while about how he was probably going to be put back on. Yeah. And they apparently didn't even start looking for replacements. No, they so had all the no rumors intention. of like uh, the director of Thor Ragnarok, who I'm not going to pronounce his name because I'm terrible at pronouncing his <laughs> name. Um, all the like rumors of him taking over and other people taking over, they were all just rumors. Disney never actively sought any replacements for James Gunn. They never even really expected to fully fire him, to be honest. They were just doing it to try to protect their stocks so that they could finish the Fox thing and then be like, there, he's still here. Get over it. it <laughs> you good, know? Honestly, it's a good move. Because it's, a, it's a very clever, It, very it protected clever their assets while also you know, drumming up enough controversy to make it interesting. Well, and then it appeased all of the fans. Well, that's what I'm saying is now everybody gets to feel like they're smarter than Disney. You know what I mean? It's so like everyone's we like, won. ha ha, stupid Disney. We knew you'd back kneel down. down and back down eventually. And Disney's like, yeah, okay, you got us. Whoa. <laughs> we'll take our fox and leave now. You know? <laughs> so, um, speaking of big corporate news... Kevin Sujahara of Warner Bros., the CEO of Warner Bros., has stepped down following the sex scandal involving actress Charlotte Kirk. Oh, I heard about this. So it's big. He has resigned with dishonor. Um, <laughs> he has been dishonorably discharged from media. <laughs> Um, according to the official company statement, it is the best interest of Warner Media, Warner Bros, our employees, and our partners for Kevin to step down as chairman and CEO of Warner Bros. Kevin has contributed greatly to the studio's success over the past 25 years, and for that we thank him. Kevin acknowledges that his mistakes are inconsistent with the company's leadership expectations and could impact the company's ability to execute going forward. So it was all handled very well. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what the shakeup does realistically in media stuff ceos don't really have a lot of immediate power it all has to go through different hands um but who knows it could effectively change the creative angle of warner bros and their movies and stuff going forward so we'll see in terms of context um there were allegations that he started an affair with this actress um he's a 50-some-odd-year-old married man with young children. Yep. She's 21 years old. Yep. Um, they started an affair, and there's allegations that he helped her secure roles because of their sexual involvement. Um, what it was is one time he was at a fancy restaurant, they asked him if he wanted some wine, but he heard, would you like to Weinstein? Oh! <laughs> Oh, it was just a confusion. It was, it happens. It happens. But you know that you're intense and, and you're, you're hitting real media news when you get talked about on NPR. So <laughs> is that, is that when you made it? That's how, yeah. That's how you know that your issue is like next level. Yeah. Like you have to step down if NPR is like, yo, you done wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and obviously I don't want to, you know, we make jokes, but I don't want to downplay. It does suck people shouldn't do that and be like hey i'm in a position of power take your pants off um but it happens and it's good to see big companies like warner bros not trying to like sweep it under the rug or make like a long big thing of it yeah it's just like hey this is happening and now you, it's done you need to resign get the f out and whether you know? they were in a consensual relationship or not he abused his power and his authority yeah and i mean 
she's a young starlet, you know? Like, whether it was consensual or not, we'll maybe never know how consensual the level was. Yeah. So, it it is what it is, but... Speaking of the Warner Bros. side of things, more specifically DC movie news, um, which is good to see. I feel like we haven't had much DC movie news since, like, Aquaman. You yeah. Know what I mean, it was like, Aquaman's doing well. That was, like, the DC movie And now news. we're all just and patiently just waiting like, for Shazam. It was like, uh, what's happening? <laughs> and um, so Ezra Miller, the guy um, who plays Flash in the DCU, um... And is also notably known as Emo Wizard. Um, <laughs> his, his role of Emo Wizard from those Harry Potter movies. I think. That's him, right? Let I me, don't know. Let me look that up before I have to delete this joke. <laughs> yes, it is him. He's Emo Wizard. <laughs> Good joke, Chris. You know so much about Hollywood. Good, you, um, good job you knowing stuff. Yeah, look at you. I'm keeping this in, too. <laughs> <laughs> A little peek behind the curtain. You get to see me with my pants off. Um, so, yeah, he's playing Flash. And, obviously, the Flash movement movie has been in production hell for a while. Yeah. Um, well, according to new reports from The Hollywood Reporter, uh, DC and Warner Bros. have agreed to let Miller... So Ezra Miller and Grant Morrison pen the script for the Flash movie, which is going to start writing soon. Shut up. Yes. It's apparently going to be a darker script than what was originally penned by John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, who were brought on to do the script in 2018. Um, oh my God. I have goosebumps. <laughs> the report also suggests that Miller might bounce if Warner Brothers says no to his script. So he's obviously... Uh, he's doing this for real, real. He really, really wants it to ha- go through, um, but I think more than anything, he really wants... I think the reason he'll bounce if they bail on it is he doesn't really want... He's worried that the studio is going to be focusing more on like lighthearted comedic fare like Aquaman. Right. And so he's he wants to do this darker thing with Graham Morrison, which... It's going to be awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Holy crap. And, you know, he's worried that if they're like, no, this needs to be more family friendly and fun. Boo. He's going to, he's going to bugger off. So, I don't blame him. Um, But yeah, it sounds freaking cool. Yeah, um, that sounds awesome. And that will be really good. So I'm excited to see updates from that. And I really hope, fingers crossed, that uh, Warner Brothers accepts it. Heck yes. So, there's some interesting comic publishing news. There is um, a reveal of a new company called Artists, Writers, and Artisans, AWA. It's being led by Bill Jemis, Axel Alonzo, John Miller, and J. Michael Straczynski. He is back. He is off hiatus. Mm. So... But the thing is, is that it's it's going to be entirely its own thing. It'll have interconnected, according to the re- the listing, AWA is aiming for something between the two. It will have interconnected superhero comics like DC and Marvel, as well as standalone series like Image, and all of its creators will have a financial stake. Um, so this thing is going to be big. They've already announced some of the comics. Um, 
the publisher has a creative council involved with it that's got um, novelist Margaret Stahl and nice. Greg Hurwitz. It's got comic book writer Garth Ennis and Krasinski. It's got, you know, some of the announced titles. You've got American Ronin, which is Peter Milligan. Um, Bad Mother, which is Krista Faust. Fight Girls, which is Frank Cho. Nice. I mean, um, Arch- Archangel 8, which is Michael Morecci. Like, it's, okay. it's yeah. gonna be... So it's hitting on a lot of the, like... It seems to be hitting on a lot of, like, cult and pulp type. Yes, and it's gonna edge be... Edge of comics. Right, you know? and, and it's gonna be um, artists doing whatever they want without the restrictions of the big name kind of brands yeah but it's got a lot of the big name brands support because you have you know major parts of the publishing team from marvel and dc participating in it right on so it's gonna have a lot of star power it's gonna lot of have a lot of like positive backing um i think it sounds awesome um some of the titles sound ridiculously cool like the um, Archangel is gonna be um, a story of a rogue angel. Frank Cho's Fight Girls is gonna be um, thighs, thighs, and more thighs. Probably. Um, absolutely. <laughs> Actually, the description. <laughs> if I says, know anything about Frank Cho, if you'd like to hear the description, it says women with top muscular legs fight for the title of Queen of the Galaxy. No, it doesn't. It, it doesn't sure does. Actually say it that. literally says that in the article I I found. Like I'm not kidding. That's hilarious. It's gonna taut muscular legs. legs fighting to be Queen of the Galaxy. I oh mean, my God. come on, that sounds awesome. Yeah, so that sounds really fun. I don't know. It's it came out of nowhere. Granted, Bleeding Cool has apparently been talking about how this was in existence for a while, and so when it finally got officially announced, they were like, ha, told you so, told you so, but um, I, I don't know. I think it sounds awesome. I think there's a lot coming to it. I'm down. Archangel is a loose cannon angel on the edge. Ten days from retirement, he gets one last <laughs> job. You listen here, Archangel. This is your last job, and I don't want you screwing it up. <laughs> you can't tell me what to do, Captain. I do things my way, or it's the highway. That's to my hell. Yeah. <laughs> See what I did there? This summer, <laughs> Tom Cruise is Archangel. Eight. Eight. <laughs> <laughs> Who left the fridge open? Here we go again. 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 <laughs> I have one more bit of news oh, <laughs> off of that sidetrack. Oh, my God. Um, this is really cool. I like this. So there is a director signed on for the Danger Girl movie adaptation. Ooh. So for you 90s comics fans, this is pretty exciting. For you non-90s comics fans, just sit down for a second. Um <laughs> We'll get, we'll get back to stuff you care about in a second. So, Danger Girl, the comic from the 90s, um, about Abby Chase, who battled often with the dangerous uh, Hammer Syndicate. Um, its current director is Jeff Wadlow, who previously directed Plum, Blumhouse's Truth or Dare and Kick-Ass 2. Kick-Ass um, 2 was pretty good. Truth or Dare was... Something. 
so he has a lot to prove. <laughs> anyway, Danger Girl, like I said, 90s comics from creators J. Scott Campbell, who, if you don't know his name, you obviously are new. Welcome. Um, and, Glad to introduce you to comics. And Andy Hartnell. Um, it could be good. I like. I feel like this movie could... I didn't even know this movie was in development, which is why this bit of news stood out to me because I'm like, whoa, this movie's actually coming. That could be fun. It could either be one of those really super cheesy sort of adaptation movies like the Resident Evil movies and stuff like that. Or it could be like a really fun kind of like nostalgic laden romp through 90s imagery. Right. I feel like either way it goes, it's going to be a fun movie. Um... I think, honestly, I'd love to see this movie get picked up for, like, a Netflix release or something. I think if it gets picked up for, like, a theater release, it's going to hurt it. It's going to be too stuck in between one of those two extremes. Right. Because it either needs to be, like, super just kind of like, okay, screw it, exploity. Um, Right. Or it needs to be super, like, this is a comic. Let's have some weird fun and just, like, fun, like, explosions. Every Kind of like the, um the uh kingsman movies yeah are that way in my opinion they're like very like this is a comic we're gonna do like jagged jarring camera angles and like really fast pans and look at all these explosions and people's heads are blowing up in colorful explosions and stuff like that you know what i mean like i think it needs to go the way that a malar movie would which kick ass too maybe that will help um that's why i'm kind of feeling positive towards it because he did direct kick ass too I think, honestly, with the exception of Wanted, the Malar movies are a really good example of how to bring, like, the indie comic comics into, like, into movies. I because agree. it just accepts that they're kind of cheesy and weird. Yeah. It doesn't really try to justify that to you. No. You know what I mean? To the audience. It's just like, this is what it is, champ. Deal with it. If you don't like it, don't watch it. And the they have, you know, varies, variable success, but it's like... You know, I hope that's the angle that they go where they're like, this is going to be cheesy comic book stuff. Get ready. But it's not going to be somewhere stuck in between. Like, I think a good example of what I'm talking about, about being stuck in the middle is um, the most recent Tomb Raider movie. It was a good movie, but it like, it didn't feel like it wanted to go all the way to like, this is a video game, deal with it. But it also didn't feel like it wanted to go too far into like, this is the movie version of a video game. Like we're going to change everything to make it fit in a movie. So it was like somewhere in between where it had these like weird cheesy moments and like kind of like how she able to jump that far kind of moments. But it also was like, this isn't a curse. It's a disease and like shit like that. Yeah, It just wasn't cohesive. I think that's the biggest point because as long as they make the movie cohesive no matter what direction they go with it because even you know we talk and and sometimes shit on the resident evil movies because they're kind of bad but there is a place and time for a resident evil movie i love those movies they're they're super fun they're goobery you go in knowing like this movie's probably going to be kind of bad but i kind of like it for that reason Yeah, yeah what i'm getting at is that a cheesy movie is good we need cheesy movies to exist because cheesy movies are the movies you can go into without like over like expectation you don't have to worry about having a lot of emotions drummed up or anything like that you know what i mean you don't have to think too hard you don't have to put too much of yourself into the character you just watch some person do a bunch of extreme shit you know what i mean and it's how and cool if, classics are made if this wasn't true if it wasn't true that we needed cheesy movies there would not be a fast and the furious spin-off coming <laughs> 
Which, by we, the way, I haven't seen a single Fast and the Furious movie, but I really want to yeah. see this one. <laughs> we need, because it's it's the same reason that we need junk food. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if we eradicated junk food tomorrow and there was no junk food allowed, yeah, we'd be healthier because there are definitely people that overdo it on the junk food. It would suck. You can't tell me, even if you were the healthiest health nut, you can't tell me that there has not been a point in your life where you sit down and you pound through, like, a piece of cake that's larger than you should or, like, a whole bag of chips because it just made you feel good at that point in time. Do you have to keep talking about my Tuesday? <laughs> <laughs> that's how we prep for the podcast. Like, I we, just I get some caffeine and dinner and he just pounds, like, a bag of Doritos. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get in She's the like, mood, yeah. okay? She's like, okay, gotta do a podcast today. Where's that half of a Carvel cake? <laughs> Oh, man, I want ice cream cake. <laughs> but anyway, I hope they go the cheesy route, personally. I think this could make a really good kind of junk food movie. I agree. Um, so, yeah. All right, so for today's final segment, we are going to close off the episode um, with a... Key Issues. So the key issue for us this week... Um, it comes from a lot of what's been going on around the Captain Marvel movie, but we wanted to talk about toxic fanship. Yes. So we're talking about fans who dislike something about something that they're really into. So be it comics, be it movies, be it books, whatever it might be. And instead of willfully accepting that this is what it is and hoping for better or focusing on the good they get aggressive and they get mean and they get insulting they bully people off of social media those kind of things yes um i so this is always a really tricky kind of road for me because i am an incredibly passionate fan so i'm sure you've been able to hear it in multiple episodes of the podcast and you know it's been known that sometimes Chris won't let me talk about movies until we get into the car after we see a movie because I'm not allowed to talk about things in public because I get too loud and too excited <laughs> and too, too it's animated. True. It's true. Um, but, and so, you know, sometimes my first instinct as a passionate fan, so I understand the instinct is to go to the extreme. So if you don't like something, you get mad. If you don't, agree with something you want to like blame someone you want to take out your frustration because as a passionate fan and as somebody who really cares you have an idea of what this ip you know stands for and what it's supposed to do and what it's supposed to represent and how it's supposed to be depicted and when it doesn't go your way it almost feels like a personal attack because we as fans devote so much time and so much energy mm -hmm. into these fanships and so it is really easy to take things to a personal level, but that's, it's not healthy. And, and I'll admit that I'm sometimes weak to it, but it is not okay to blame writers or actors in particularly. That's the one that always gets me, mm -hmm. you know? For example, the... Yeah, give us some rundown yeah, of so, recent stuff. So one thing that kind of gets me is like, we look at the most recent Star Wars movies. I am a huge avid Star Wars fan. I've read comics. I've, you know, watched all of the movies. I've watched the TV shows. I've played 
one of the longest RPG campaigns ever known to man in the Star Wars Edge of the Empire universe. Three and a half years. It was long. It was awesome. Um, I am a fully devoted Star Wars fan. I'm the type of person that you're watching one of the movies and I can name you the different races in, you know, the club. Like, so I'm, I'm fully committed and I didn't like the most recent movie and I had a very visceral reaction. I think I've mentioned in the show before that I came home and I like, I was kind of numb afterwards because I was trying to process not liking something Star Wars and I was having a really hard time with it. And I'm a very emotional person and I kind of came home and it kind of dawned on me that I didn't like it. And there was this weird moment of betrayal, but also am I just a bad fan? Did I not get it? And so I just kind of like sat down and cried. I was very upset and I, I, you know, I took it very personally. But after a couple days, I was able to step back and tell my, and, and kind of evaluate and say, hey, this isn't the only part of Star Wars. I will always love the Clone Wars and I will always love Edge of the Empire and I will always love the original trilogy and I will always love bits and pieces of the prequels and that's okay and it's not wrong to dislike something in your fandom but I would never take it out on the actors I would never take it out on the writers I would never take it out on the Mm -hmm. producers because it's nobody's fault if it doesn't live up to your expectations so for instance the Star Wars movie people attacked the actors on social media and sent death threats and it's horrific because Mm -hmm. you know especially with actors in particular they didn't write it they didn't develop the character they didn't produce it they didn't write their own paychecks they came in did a job and went home and i know we relate strongly to these people because they're visual representations of you know relatable characters and these identities that we've built as as you know subset personas of our own existence but it is not fair to take out our frustration and mm. our own personal frustration on people like that. Well, yeah, and it was especially true with Kelly Marie Tran. Yes, exactly. Who Rose. Yes. Because people, I guess, I don't even know where all the Rose hate came from. I didn't particularly like her character, but, you know, I chalked that up to bad writing, maybe bad directing. Um, maybe just an unnecessary need for the character. But her um, acting was fine. Acting was fine. I liked her and I like her as a person. Like I've seen interviews with her and stuff. But I think she just became a scapegoat. People were looking for someone to be like... It was her and Ryan Johnson became... The director became scapegoats for this movie. Yeah. There's a lot of elements that go into movies. And there were many of these elements that didn't work well. And they weren't one person's fault. And there were a lot of people that liked and loved this movie. And that's so fine. just because you don't like it does not make it okay to have to find blame and then have to act on that blame. There's never a reason to vilify. So yeah. another example, a much more recent example, is with the Captain Marvel movie. A lot of people didn't like the choice of Brie Larson as Captain Marvel. And so... In order to make their stance, before the movie ever came out, people were attacking it on Rotten Tomatoes and trying to tank the score so that the casual viewer would be turned off and turned away. It didn't work. Mm -hmm. The movie broke 
records upon records for both first and second opening week. Props to that. Great movie. We gave our review two weeks ago, I believe. Yep. Check it out. Check it out. <laughs> Episode 16, I think. Yeah. Um, but... And we would have done this key issues immediately following that. But last week, we had to talk about green people. <laughs> it's true. Because we high class. We super high class. We fancy. <laughs> but, again, I... As a super fan, as a passionate fan, as somebody who dives 100% into the IPs that I care about. And there are a lot of IPs that I care about. I wear t-shirts that are like nerdy t-shirts to work literally every day. And I have Star Wars t-shirts and I have Harry Potter t-shirts and I have Wonder Woman t-shirts and Marvel and all of the above. And I care about all of these things yeah. and I take it super personally well, when something isn't the way I think it should be. But I, I have to stop and I have to remember yeah. that it's nobody's fault. And if I don't like a particular representation of the way a character is being done, whether it's in a movie or in a comic or on a TV show or whatever, then I find another avenue that I think is a better representation, and that's where I dedicate my time. Yeah. Well, and it, it goes beyond just to put this out there because I know how the troll internet works. It goes beyond your t-shirts. You know these things. You know them in and out. You could school a bunch of people on Star Wars trivia. Um, you could school a bunch of people on Harry Potter trivia, on Marvel trivia. <laughs> um, so before you start being like, she wears t-shirts, that doesn't make her a nerd. Shut up. Um, <laughs> I wear t-shirts because I work for a software company and I If can. she were a dude wearing a Batman <laughs> shirt, you'd be like, cool, that's a nerd. So just saying. Thank you for the, thank you for that. You I can go to hell um <laughs> anyway so i wanted to talk about this because it's long been a campaign of mine to fight against toxic nerddom um and it just i feel like in recent years it's just gotten out of hand and you know it's perpetuated by a lot of the same places that perpetuate a lot of other shitty subculture um i won't name any names because i don't want to be like dos attacked uh <laughs> but yeah, that's fair <laughs> uh anywho uh you know they give people the ability to formulate and say hey we all hate this thing attack but it's just you should never lash out at something you care about any part of it. you know what i mean no matter how just first of all you shouldn't get that angry really over fandom like i know you have passion but here's the thing you have that passion because there's something in that media something in that culture in that uh narrative in the characters in the heroes in the stories whatever it might be in the art that caught your heart and so you have this passion because you love that thing to some degree and what you need to remember is that no matter what future installments do, no matter what J.K. Rowling's twitting, <laughs> you know what I mean? No matter who she's tweeting about, who's got what in whose bunghole, um, <laughs> don't matter. Because she, these tweets, these new movies, these, you know, casting decisions, they can't take away from you that thing that got you into this passion in the first place. That's true. So, like, for me, I just keep it in the Star Wars context because that's what we've been talking about. I am not a huge fan of the new movies. I am also not a huge fan of the prequels. I am a very large fan of the original three and that world 
and that universe. I'm a big fan of a lot of the extended universe. I read a ton of the Dark Horse comics. They were great. Um, I need to get them again. I don't have them anymore, but I need to get them again. Um, I've read a handful of the novels from old school extended universe. I actually haven't read many of the new novels, but I, you know, flog myself regularly for that. <laughs> um, and I love the old Republic stuff. So I played KOTOR a long time ago. Oh, yeah. I've read some stuff set in like some comics and books read, like set in those time periods. Um, so I like those things. And no matter how two-dimensional the characters are in the new movies, that doesn't take that away from me. I can have problems with it. I cannot like it. But I have no right to attack anybody over that. I have no right to insult anybody over that. And I have no right to be mad at somebody who does like it. If yeah. I'm talking to somebody and they're like, I love The Last Jedi. If I want to have a discourse, my discourse needs to be, why? What did you like about it? Tell me. On like a professional, like, let's have a discussion about film level. But if I don't want to have a discourse about it, I just don't need just to. I need to be away. like, oh, I didn't. And move on with my life. Because yeah. it doesn't affect me at all that they liked it. It doesn't affect me at all realistically in the grand scheme of my life that I didn't. What I get to do now is I get to be in a safe space in the things that I already love about Star Wars. I get to recede into my original trilogy nest and snuggle up <laughs> on my Wampa and my Ewok and like roll over and kiss Luke's feathered hair goodnight. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that's where it, I get to be. And true. that's not what I dream about. Don't tweet me. Um, <laughs> well, it's true because the development of Ray doesn't negate the development of Revan. Yeah. And, you know, so those characters still exist. You know, if I ever feel super butthurt, I can go back and play KOTOR. Yep. Um, like, those things still exist and I can still be passionate towards those things. And what I also get is the ability to hope something better comes along. So the first Star Wars movie happened... I didn't really like it. Force Awakens wasn't a fan. But I got to hope that some of the other stuff they were doing was going to be better. And then Rogue One came out. They're Loved so it. good. Rogue One was great. Arguably the best new Star Wars thing that we've gotten since the Clone Wars. Um, it was wonderful. And then Last Jedi, not as much. Solo was okay. I actually found Solo. That kind of harkens back to what we were talking about earlier about like cheesecake movies. Like junk food movies. Um, hey man, Solo had Darth Maul. That's true. They're, you, they could, as long as they, if they just keep ending the Star Wars movies with Darth Maul, you'll be like, best movie, deserves Oscar. I mean, it does because he's, he, yeah, just yeah, yeah. he just needs to keep being alive. You'll, like it would be a garbage movie <laughs> of like Ray and Kylo talking about how shirtless Kylo is the whole time, <laughs> the whole movie, two and a half hours of that and then a mid credit scene of that and then an end credit scene of that and then after the end credit scene Darth Maul just walks up and is like hey and you'd be movie. like whoa is is that Citizen Kane I just watched <laughs> oh my god yeah, yeah. was that what did Steven Spielberg just poop out a magical movie oh my god I I have a weak spot for the Sith y'all <laughs> yeah I, I can't. It's not my fault. How do I... Who do I write to to invent new Academy Awards so it can win <laughs> double the Academy Awards if it wins all of them? 
Yeah. And the Academy Award for Best Featuring Darth Maul goes to... <laughs> yeah. T crashes the Academy Award. <laughs> like, disheveled and, like, hyped up on 15 monsters. And you're like, I got an award to give! This, this would have also been applicable if it included Darth Vader or Asajj Ventress. Or really any of the super bad yeah, anyone, evil folk. Anyone evil in. who you should not idolize. <laughs> <laughs> this is a lot about my character, yeah. and, but it's fine. This is only the internet. Nobody finna yeah. find out. T would be watching a perfectly mundane movie and it has like a picture of Hitler in the background and she'll be like. <laughs> That's untrue. <laughs> untrue. <laughs> Okay. Mussolini then, fine. Hey now, dark side is different from evil, but that's a whole other argument. We'll make that entirely different episode of Yeah, we'll we'll have a whole like why T's not a bad person episode. Yeah. Um we won't we won't even do we won't even do like comics and news that episode. It'll just be like, Welcome to the T Justifies Herself episode. I help save kitties and puppies. (laughs) Okay. Anywho. So yeah, what you need to remember going forward, if something about your fanship doesn't pan out the way that you want it to, you have this core, you have this passionate core, and no one can take that away from you. And while it might feel cheated, like you might feel cheated not having new things, no one can take the old things that you obviously care a ton about away from you. Second thing to remember is that lashing out being aggressive, being insulting, does nothing but hurt the chances of your culture, whatever it is that you're passionate about, getting more done to it. Like, progressing. Having the support it needs to move forward. Uh, you know, saying, oh, we're like, hey guys, let's all get together and not go see this movie. Or harassing people off of social media sites. Or panning movies on review sites strictly for superficial reasons. Things like that. Doing things like that do nothing but hurt your culture in the grand scheme of the world. And put you in a position where the people who make these movies might say, Okay, hold on. We need to make less. Like, for instance, how people... uh, you know, boycotted the solo movie because they didn't like episode eight. Yeah. And then Disney put a pause on a bunch of their star Wars. A la canceling the Boba Fett movie. Mm -hmm. We, it was people shot themselves in the foot because the movie they really wanted and felt like could have saved the whole system Mm -hmm. was the Boba Fett movie. So they didn't go see solo, which solo was actually very fan servicey as a super fan, I felt very appealed to and people would have really liked it. Everyone I've talked to who didn't like episode eight that saw solo was like, no solo was great. You know, it's not the most serious movie, but it was super fun and enjoyable. And it had the same feeling and theme that the Boba Fett movie would have had, but that got canceled because people shot themselves in the foot. Yeah. The third thing to remember as a fan is that these things that we love don't just happen out of the ether. They aren't just born from the cosmic gases. They are created by individuals. They are created by people. And those people will have their own ideas 
and their own passions towards the towards the medium of where they want to take the characters where they want to take the narrative where they want to take the worlds um and they will write those things and while we do have the ability to kind of help dictate where those go by you know singing praises or jeering to an extent you know saying oh that didn't really work for us and that might make people think later like hey and it happens all the time in comics you'll have like a new number one come out or a title will switch between creators and it'll tonally shift and like literally like first 12 issues were garbage and then suddenly it's great i mean it happened with thanos recently like donny cates took over thanos at issue 13 and it was magical and wonderful <laughs> but no one really like thanos was just kind of okay in the first 12 issues it was just kind of an okay run and then suddenly it was like whoa this is awesome you know so it's all down to the creator and if you're not creating, you don't really have a say in what comes out. So if you want to have a say in what comes out, become a creator. Get creative. Make your own artwork. Make your own stories. Try to get into it professionally if you want to put that kind of effort into it. But ultimately understand that if you are not a creator, you don't have a final say and while that can be frustrating, it doesn't need to anger you so much that you get aggressive and tense and stressed out and depressed. It needs to just be something that you accept as this didn't go the direction I wanted, but at least I have my passion still. At least I still have the thing that triggers my imagination and triggers, like, makes me feel welcome and home and... I have fun with it and I enjoy it and it keeps me happy. These things will always keep you happy as long as you let them. But if you make them a device with which you can be angry, you're doing nothing but hurting both yourself, but the thing you claim to love. Yeah. Yeah. And just a like quick side note, you know, fan fiction gets a lot of shit. People talk a lot of smack about how fan fiction is whatever, lame or, you know, lazy or whatever. Mm -hmm. But realistically, if you're passionate about something and you want to be a creator, there's nothing wrong with fan fiction. Yeah. If you look at Stephanie, uh, oh, what, Stephanie Meyer. Yeah. She, you know, technically Fifty Shades of Grey is Twilight fan fiction. She's come out and said that. It wasn't Stephanie, Stephanie... She made the Twilight movie, Stephanie right? Meyer was Twilight. It was yeah. the other one. It was, yeah. But it... Same same concept, though. Was, uh, I mean... I believe her name was Whips and Chains Handcuffs. Yes. That sounds right. <laughs> yeah. That sounds right. Red Room McGee. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that sounds right. Um, it was, um... I believe her name was Samantha N. Markowitz. S-N-M. <laughs> She goes by her initials. I like it. I think that's accurate. Yeah. But but no, for real. But there's nothing wrong with fan fiction. I mean, a lot of the time, that's how people start establishing their voice as a writer. That's how people start establishing, you know, their presence in a field. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with fan fiction. So if you want to be a creator, but you're like, oh, I don't know if I'm necessarily good enough to come up with my own, you know universe mm -hmm. you don't have to be joss whedon to be a creator yeah. there's nothing wrong with fan fiction i'm 
I'm an advocate for fan fiction. Yeah. And there's a lot of forums and places where you can submit it and have people read it, and they're all very supportive. If you're people, like, if you're a bunch of people that all love the same characters and all love the same world, you're going to be very supportive of people's attempts to extrapolate on it. Exactly. And, you know, my suggestion, kind of expanding off of that, if there's a universe that you'd like to see expanded on, or even characters and stories that you'd like to see expanded on, learn how to roleplay. Yeah. Like, do role-playing games. You can... There are so many different systems that you can build a system around what you love. Like, my friend and I have been kind of spitballing a Mass Effect RPG for a while now. Like, finding a good system to run it in. Um, because we want to see more done in the world. Because we weren't... This goes to our fanship. We weren't happy with Andromeda. We weren't happy with Mass Effect 3. But instead of, you know... I'm never buying your games ever again and freaking out and being mean, which ultimately doomed Andromeda, fun fact. Um, thanks, fans. Uh, <laughs> we're going to build an RPG in this world and tell the stories we want us to tell. And the nice thing about doing a role-playing game is you really just need a general concept of a story. You don't need to worry about putting the words together so that the story... If you're not good with words, you know what I mean? If you're yeah. not good at writing, you don't have to worry about, like building the story and constructing it you just have a general a to b and then you and your friends people you care about who also care about this stuff sit around and make the story play out all the words happen organically and the story the narrative just happens but the main takeaway is just it's important to remember that the reason if you feel yourself getting angry angry enough to lash out at somebody Understand that that anger comes from a point of love, a point of appreciation and passion for an art form. And focus on that. Focus on the fact that this thing means so much to you that you want to lash out, that you have this urge to lash out. And understand that lashing out is harmful for the thing you care about. And if you lash out, you're not doing yourself any good. So recede into that passion and say, this thing's important to me. I'm glad I have that. Imagine a world, imagine being in, you know, medieval England. They didn't have fanship in medieval England. You know what I mean? They weren't like, boy, that etching by Lord Pantysworth sure was right good this time, wasn't it? You know? <laughs> That's true. That's true. Did you hear the Gregorian chant coming out of the Eastwick Monastery? It was better than the last one. <laughs> they didn't have that shit. No. They were like, man, I wish there wasn't so much sewage in our streets. And that was it. That's all they had. That's all they had going for them. You know? Yeah. So imagine that. Imagine that world. Imagine having poop in your streets and no Star Wars. There you go. Reflect on that shit. Literally. <laughs> Don't hate. Create. Yeah. That's all it is. So that's going to do it for us. Very long episode and very preachy towards the end there. So I apologize. Thank you for listening to our key issues. Um, it's important for us to get things like that out of the way. And you will probably hear us advocating about positive fanship from here on. If you have any experiences with toxic fanship or any advice for fans on how to fight the rage of the nerd, let us know. Yeah. And 
if you want more Cover B, follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Cover B Podcast. Um, Chris and I also have Instagram accounts. He posts food and cats. <laughs> I've been posting more than food and cats. Thank you. Posted beer the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I post cosplay. Lots of cosplay. Um, and you can also, anywhere you want to listen to this podcast, if you want to subscribe because you're so enamored with us rambling about stuff, you can find all of our available links at our website, coverbepodcast.com. Share this link with your friends. Share it on your Facebook. Share it on your Twitter. Uh, post it up on your bulletin board at your community center. Etch it into the side of Mount Rushmore. Whatever you need to do. Um, Just don't get arrested because then you can't listen and then we lose followers. Don't get arrested before you finish the link, at least. Yeah. If they're coming at you, be like, I gotta get the O and the M. You know? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> well, stay tuned for next week, guys, for our next episode of Cover Me. Bye, guys. Bye.